And what's fascinating to me about the ego is, is the more that you give out of self-hate and the less you pay attention to yourself and the less you love yourself, the more unhealthy and the larger or more out of balance and dysregulated your ego becomes. This is a form of survival that the more you try to invest in other things or disassociate with yourself, the more you'll actually start to obsess about yourself. Because survival means keeping you alive, right? It means you've got to self-protect and part of self-protection is self-obsessing. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and I'm so glad you're here because we're right in the middle of a new podcast series all about the mind-body connection, and it's called How You Heal. Now, there's a lot of ideas about how we heal in the health space, most of which points you to external solutions. Engage with this diet, try this workout. I mean, there's all kinds of different ideas about what it takes to heal. But inside this podcast series, I'm going to teach you why those things don't work and haven't worked and what does by coming home to understand who you are and how to heal from the inside out. Now, as I mentioned, we've done two previous podcasts. Today is number three, and it's talking about how to love yourself. In fact, I'm just going to come out and say it and say, love heals. It's a frequency of energy that is very healing for the entire system, and it really is a critical component in overall healing. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg. If you really want the science behind it, even the spiritual side of this, dig into today's podcast. I think you're going to love it. As always, we're diving deeper into these topics over at thelivingwell.com, where you can find more about this podcast, as well as all the other podcasts in this series, and additional resources that might help you out. But one other thing you're going to find there that I think will be really beneficial for you is the energy quiz. Talking about how much energy do you have, where is your starting point, and inside that, I give you tips and tricks on how to raise your energy to help you heal from the inside out. If you haven't tried that quiz, head on over to thelivingwell.com and do that today. I promise it's absolutely free. There's no back end. You need to pay for this. It's just quick tips that you can actually implement right now to achieve health. But before we get there, I do want to tell you about another podcast sponsor for the summer series, Element. Now, Element is a product that I have had my eye on for the last few years and started implementing into my daily routine. And like all the products I recommend here, there are things that I've actively used and enjoy and find so much value in. The thing that really attracted me to Element was this big push for electrolytes in our system. Now, I know there's all kinds of electrolytes and sports drinks out there, but honestly, the majority of them have so much sugar in them that they're actually dehydrating our bodies more than they're hydrating them. So I was on the search for something that was really hydrating to our cells and what we know about hydration that is far different from fluid consumption is that in order to truly hydrate the cells and hold on to those cells, you need something, a substance to help hold the water in your body and also get the water into the cells to be used by your body. 
And one of those important components outside of carbohydrates, which many people are lacking anymore with all of the diets on the market, is actually sodium. Sodium is important for so many functions. And I know that there was this huge salt myth that went out into the world that told you that salt is bad and sodium's horrible for you and it's gonna cause all of these problems. Obviously now we know that that was a myth, that isn't true, and there's all kinds of research coming out about the importance of sodium and potassium and other minerals like magnesium that are critical for the way our cells function and for the hydration component of our body. One important thing as we're talking about the mind-body connection that I think is so fascinating, is sodium is really critical for your nervous system. It's really critical for neurons to function appropriately and almost acts as this communication network inside your biology. It helps the neurons to fire, and when they don't have enough sodium, they get a little bit more sluggish. In fact, some people can get jittery, start getting headaches, just really feeling lethargic almost similar to a low blood sugar situation. And often we just call it low blood sugar when really it could just be a lack of sodium and other minerals. Now, the problem again with most electrolyte products is they are full of sugar and all kinds of additional substances that are not beneficial in what you're really looking for in an electrolyte substance. And that's why I like Element because Element has the cleanest of ingredients the right form of sodium, potassium, and magnesium that are actually utilized and balanced inside the body in appropriate ways. An element can leave you feeling refreshed and revived and actually leave you hydrated, satisfying that internal thirst. Now, you can check out Element and learn more over at drinklmnt.com, and you can get a free sample pack by using my link backslash livingwell. I think you're really going to love these products. I know I do, and I love the availability of being able to try it out at no cost and see how it makes your body feel. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to remind you that the podcast series this summer really does have a little bit of an order to it. So if you haven't listened to the previous two podcasts, you're going to want to go back and do that because it does matter in understanding this next level. Now, is it perfect? Of course not, because there's really no perfect system. But it is important as we move forward and the remaining six podcasts that you really do have kind of this foundational understanding. So just to give you a recap, in the first podcast, we talked about how health is really revolving around cycles. And we all tend to have a cycle or a story or a loop that our body likes and it finds safety in, even if it's not the most healthy of loops or patterns. And I think a lot of us find ourselves here stuck in these old patterns, trying to change, wanting to change, but really being unable to do that. And in the first podcast, I tell you, it's really not about laziness or your lack of ability. It's truly about your body needing safety in order to heal. Now, last week, we dove into how to understand safety in our body, how our body regulates this and perceives this, and what it does from that. And we learned that through the polyvagal theory and AFACT regulation. Now, again, if you didn't listen to those, go back and listen to them, but you can also learn more, especially about AFACT regulation over at thelivingwell.com where we dive in more. 
Now, I think the order of this again is important because we're going to start to dive in a little bit deeper to topics that are maybe a little bit scary or topics that you want to push back on. You could call it a little bit more controversial. And I think anything that's a little bit more controversial, we have to understand as maybe it's just pushing against what we've believed. But when it comes to health, I want to challenge your beliefs because the beliefs that we've had are really what we live out. And if you look at your life and you think, okay, I'm not in the place I want to be, then we really do need to start challenging our beliefs. Because regardless of what you think or what you say you're going to do, at the end of the day, we always live out those beliefs. And I think that's why today's podcast is so important. Because inside of us, we all have an intuitive capacity for health. But sometimes I question, Are we pushing ourselves further away from healing because we're trying to chase it down in all the wrong ways rather than learning how to live that out? And learning how to live that out starts by knowing yourself. Because at the end of the day, there is no right and wrong way to do health. There is a thousand or a million different ways, but the only way that's right for you is what's right for you right now. And that's always going to be changing and evolving. And the purpose of this is to grow with your body, to support it, not working, to change it. The only way that you can do that is by creating some sense of self-awareness. Now, I know a lot of people think that they have great self-awareness, and there are some people who truly do. But it's having the sense of self-awareness from the place of self-love That is very different from the place of self-hate. We can be aware of ourselves while hating ourselves, and that looks very different than being aware of ourselves while wanting to nourish and love ourselves. And I bring this up in this conversation on how you heal, because when it comes to healing, healing is this deeper connection to the whole of you and the whole of the world. We are made and dependent upon connections. And the only way that we can truly connect is if we can understand ourselves and love ourselves. If we don't, we're probably going to fall into patterns of dysregulation and even codependency, right? Like all great human necessities can always be taken to the extreme and made unhealthy, like the act of codependence, which we're going to talk about later in this podcast. It's this need of dependence upon someone else to change how you currently feel. Or in my case, why I think people can become codependent on health and body fat, it's because we're always looking for something else to transform how we internally feel, simply because we don't know what it's going to take to change how we feel because we don't know ourselves. And if we don't know ourselves, We live for false versions. We disassociate from who we are because deep down, maybe we don't like ourselves and we just use confusion to mask that. But in the process of this, in the process of disassociation and attaching false versions to ourselves, it really muddies the water and it does allow for endless confusion to know what does my body need? How do I feel? What do I find passion and purpose in? Who do I love? Who am I? And in time, this creates a deep codependence. Again, that codependence is needing something else to make you who you are. When we understand 
life and health and the purpose that we have to see beyond ourselves. We have to start to see and recognize that we are one, incredibly important and valuable, but also number two, that we are part of something larger than ourselves. We have to start to see on the horizon that we're not just independent beings, but we are made dependent and interdependent upon other people. Again, it is our design to be dependent. We rely on other people. And I think this topic is so fascinating to me because when we really look at healing, one of the most valuable and critical factors is connection. And there's plenty of research studies that show this, that people who are left in isolation or who are laying in a hospital bed without a window do not heal, if at all, or potentially as quickly as someone who has someone loving and caring for their needs. As someone who has a hospital room with a window that simply looks outside, there is a deeper connection. And of course, you can go back to other research studies of orphanages and children and infants who aren't touched as often as they should can actually develop many disease processes and even die from the lack of connection. We are made to be connected and dependent upon other people. I think one of the most unfortunate things that we have created in society is this need to be independent, as this drive to be independent people, and also this drive for isolation. Because in the process of being independent, what we do is, is we actually enlist our survival responses that put up these protective barriers that prevent our ability to connect with other people. We get so focused on ourselves and on succeeding and on creating this identity of independence that we actually lose a very critical element of humanity. And in the process, we lose a lot of our health because health is reliant on connection. It is of utmost importance. And honestly, being a nutritionist, of course I never understood this until I had to go through my own healing journey. And what I realized in my own healing journey is that I could do all of the right things. And trust me, I was eating the perfect diet. I was exercising numerous times a day. I was truly doing the quote unquote right things in the health space. And yet nothing seemed to work. And what I know now is because I didn't value myself. I didn't love myself. I was seeking a place that I thought I could love myself. I thought love was attached to a number on the scale or to how I looked or how do I perform. And I think this is where a lot of us get our identities mixed up. It's where a lot of us are working and where we become codependent on something else. It's because we live with this idea that we're broken, that we're not enough, that we have no value, and our sheer goal becomes trying to find value. And in the process of not feeling like you have value, you lose the ability to connect with others. And that's because it's a survival response. And I told you in the very first podcast, value is of utmost importance in anything that I talk about. We have to recognize and understand our value lies outside anything else. And I think this is true biblical self-love that's not so selfish like I grew up believing, but understanding that you were created for a purpose. And you were created in God's image perfectly 
Yes, there's going to be brokenness because sin entered the world, but on some level, regardless of anything else, your value rests in that. You are valuable outside anything you do or accomplish. And if we can't understand that or we can't believe that, we will live our lives chasing an identity that we believe will make us valuable. And in the process of that, we'll start disassociating with ourselves because we come to the understanding that we as we are are not enough. And that leaves you chasing down so many things and creating truly a survival response inside your body that prevents you from connecting and prevents you from healing. You see, healing at the end of the day is not arriving at a place that's perfect or finding your value. It's living and recognizing that you have value regardless of how many mistakes you made, that you can stand up and learn how to grow and to become and to engage and to give because you receive the knowledge that you are valuable. We can give because we receive. We can love only if we love ourselves. Yes, you can love other people without loving yourselves, and this is what people do all the time, but arguably, that's not so much love as it is a form of codependence of needing others to like you, of needing others to feel happy so you can feel happy, of really trying to manipulate and control the environment so you can feel better. But what we're doing in the process of that is that we're exchanging our own being for the sake of chasing or identifying with someone else, and we lose ourselves. And when we lose ourselves, we lose the interconnection inside the whole of our being and we start to develop symptoms and disease. Really, we transfer all of our energy onto external things that don't have the ability, at least not in the way that we assume, to make us feel better or to help us to fully heal. And that's because we can only heal when we recognize that healing happens through creating space in our internal being, through this interconnection of the whole of who we are and our connection with the world and people around us. And that happens by finding value and love for yourself. Now, this is a really tricky and deep conversation because what I don't want to dismiss is that many people don't know how to love themselves because of how they've been loved. It's not that you can't, it's just that you've been trained just like an affect regulation by your caretakers and your parents and your childhood. And a lot of people were abused and misunderstood and a lot of people have numerous trauma that prevents them from understanding love. And in the process of not being able to accept love or receive love or having never received love, It makes it really, really challenging to give that love, at least in a way that's non-competitive. And I think the best way to understand this is not necessarily because of your inability, but because of your body's survival response. And again, why I want to do this podcast is because there's this delicate dance between your mind and your body and your soul that they're all kind of working together to protect you. But at the end of the day, the goal is to help you live your greatest life here on earth. You were created for a purpose, and I want to help you live out that purpose. But we have to understand this delicate connection. 
And what happens when we don't love ourselves and we start chasing an identity and something outside of ourselves, or we're waiting for an arrival that we think will allow us to have value, what we do is, is we kind of enact a fear response. We turn that belief, that belief has this undertone of scarcity, right? Like when you don't feel like you as you are, are enough, there's a fear to that. And I think that's why dieting is so tricky because most of the time we're working out of a place we hate to get to a place where we think we'll belong. But the only way to really change is to work from a place where you are enough, like to work from a place of abundance, of wanting to change just to grow, not to arrive. But this process kind of works against how humans change. We don't change to arrive. It's not how our human brain works. We don't change out of fear and scarcity. We only change out of pleasure and joy. And so often we're pushing our body into states that are only igniting the survival response. And the same is true from working from a place you hate and why self-love is critically important and healing. Because when you're working out of a place you hate, what happens is you ignite the fear response and the fear response ignites the stress response. And part of stress is tunneling your vision into unhealthy or negative patterns. It's like what we talked about last week in the polyvagal theory, like you climb down the ladder into a hole and it makes it almost impossible to see the horizon. It makes it impossible to see how you work with the greater whole of humanity. You become isolated and egotistic. And honestly, your ego, which is a part of you, right? It's, it's the part of you that is yourself. It's important, can get really unhealthy. So there's a healthy ego and an unhealthy ego. But regardless of say, your ego is a part of your survival response. I mean, there are a lot of definitions of your ego, but in most simplistic form, it's simply your sense of personal identity or feelings of self-importance. We all have an ego. As much as you've tried to live this selfless life, you have an ego, and we all do. And what's fascinating to me about the ego is, is the more that you give out of self-hate and the less you pay attention to yourself and the less you love yourself, the more unhealthy and the larger or more out of balance and dysregulated your ego becomes. This is a form of survival that the more you try to invest in other things or disassociate with yourself, the more you'll actually start to obsess about yourself because survival means keeping you alive, right? It means you've got to self-protect and part of self-protection is self-obsessing. It's Constantly thinking about yourself, not necessarily in the best ways, but it's being absorbed with yourself. Because if it can keep you focused on yourself, more than likely you're going to engage in behaviors that are going to keep you alive. That's different than thriving for sure. Do not mix the two up. But an unhealthy ego or an ego that's dysregulated because you've lost the ability to put any attention on yourself actually makes you obsess about yourself more. It does the opposite. It makes you more self-obsessed. It's kind of similar to what I like to think about self-confidence, right? Like people think confidence is um, egotistic and arrogant, but actually a lack of confidence is those things. 
when you're not confident in yourself, in order to prove to yourself or to self-protect, you have to make everyone else around you think how great you are. You become codependent upon that image to give you the assurance that you have value because you can't see it for yourself. So when we see people who are really arrogant or talk about themselves or self-absorbed and it comes across as confident, it's generally just this unhealthy ego that's really coming into play because they don't feel safe in their own skin. I like to think of your unhealthy ego as like a shield protecting you from the outside world, but it's also preventing you from loving yourself and your life. It keeps you focused on the negative things while keeping you self-absorbed. And that's really not the purpose of life. We don't find joy in ourselves and the isolation of ourselves because we were designed for our connection. Our happiness, our joy, our life, they depend on other people. So an unhealthy ego is rooted in fear, anxiety, limiting beliefs, and toxic thinking patterns. It comes into play with that scarcity mindset. And an unhealthy ego can make you do things like making the needs and wants of other people a priority in your life while devaluing yourself. There's an element of codependency here, right? Using anger to control other people, using substances like food to comfort, avoid, numb, escape, or distract you from uncomfortable feelings. You get reactive, dramatic, defensive. You're easily triggered. You worry about what other people think. You try to seek instant satisfaction because you're looking for any pleasure in unhealthy things because, again, pleasure is a critical element in in life. It's not something that is just a want. It's a need, and we will find it. You tend to get stuck in old patterns, repeating behaviors that cause suffering. You fight reality and wish it away. You refuse to face fear and challenges. You believe happiness is a place that you arrive, just like you believe health is a destination. You often feel overwhelmed by your emotions. You expect perfection. You personalize what others say and do. You use blame, avoidance, criticism, and denial to deal with difficult situations. You feel a sense of entitlement. You get into competition because your ego in an unhealthy way makes you competitive. When we're not connecting, we're always competitive because competition creates survival, right? When we're in survival mode, we care nothing about other people. We only care about maintaining our sense of self. This is not ideal. This is not how we heal. And I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But again, your unhealthy ego is just kind of this this puffing up of yourself because you don't really have any value in yourself. And in the process of this, you're really investing all of your energy into this self-identity that you don't have into formulating a self-identity because you don't really know who you are. Rather than investing your energy and living your purpose because you're so fully confident in who you are that your body then has the ability to work together and the whole of humanity. This is the goal. And if we look at healthy ego, which is also known as self-love. It genuinely appreciates our strengths, accepts our imperfections, and it allows us to love ourselves unconditionally. Regardless of where we are or where we're not, we can still have a sense of self-love. You can still love yourself while wishing for something better. 
You can love yourselves amidst your imperfections. And it's here that we actually start to think of ourselves less, like not thinking less of yourself, but you just get the ability to not be so consumed with yourself because you see a greater purpose in what you were created for. You see value. And when you see value, you start to connect with the world and that connection is actually changing your biology, allowing you to heal. It invests your energy into greater things which are more healing than the self-absorbed, isolated world. So a healthy ego is, helps you nurture your body, create rest and exercise and comfort. It also pushes you outside your comfort zone because you know how to re-regulate. It's not waiting for others or being dictated by others. It's accepting yourself with the good, the bad, the ugly, the weird. It's not rehashing past mistakes and dragging ourselves into dark places when we know that we can only learn from the past. We can't change it. It's following more of the inner intention, your gut feeling, the Holy Spirit, rather than living out of your brain and ego. It's allowing yourself to dream, to be creative, to be adventurous, to take risk. It's taking responsibility for your actions, even when they don't pan out the way that you expected them to. It's learning to set boundaries that protect and nurture your relationships with yourself and with others and allows you to make mistakes without berating yourself or feeling shame and guilt. And it's refusing to seek permission or approval to be yourself. It's literally accepting who you are with the means of understanding that in the acceptance, you're willing to grow and to learn. It eliminates that scarcity mechanism that ignites your ego and your survival response, which again is having a biological response in the system. Remember, when we go back to the polyvagal theory and understanding that your neuroception is constantly picking up signals and it's determining or perceiving whether you're safe or experiencing threats, and that is changing the whole of your biology and how your energy functions, which really is determining your health. It's not about what you eat or how much you move. Those things matter, but they only matter based on what your body does with them. And what your body does with the things you provide is solely based on whether it's in a state of survival or thriving, whether it feels safe or unsafe. And if we want to heal, we have to constantly be aware of our level of safety. And the best way to determine your level of safety is to create an inner safety. And that's why the, the topic of self-love is so important to me and knowing yourself because it's really the only thing that we have control of. When I was healing, I was not in a great relationship with my husband. I did not have a great relationship with friends. I did not really have a great relationship with anyone because I did not have a great relationship with myself. I literally got in the hell space thinking if I could save the world of their health problems and make them happy, I could be happy. I had a codependence with my job and with you, believing that if I could help change you, you would give me what I needed to be happy. And I think anytime we get out of dysregulation, we become codependent, not by choice, but by need to survive. And it's this codependence that only keeps us stuck in that hole that prevents us from seeing humanity. It prevents us from seeing the connection to the greater good. 
It prevents us from seeing the horizon that there's more out there than this negative perception that I've been living with. And part of the process of digging yourself out of the hole is just coming to the place where you see the immense value that you bring to this world. Even if you're not in a place you like, the only way that you're going to change and the only way you're going to heal is through love. Love heals. And I will tell you that over and over and over again because it is in utmost importance in the healing process. I just want to take a moment and remind you of the summer podcast sponsor, Element. Element is an amazing, clean, nutrient-rich electrolyte drink that is not full of sugar, but the cleanest of ingredients that are going to help your body to utilize the hydration that you're drinking and get the right minerals inside the cells so they can function appropriately. In fact, sodium is so important that we have multitude of functions that are going to help your body to capture sodium and even potassium to create that critical balance inside each cell that allows water in and water out to make sure the cells are functioning appropriately. Now, we all know what happens when we don't get enough fluid and the symptoms of dehydration, but there is a whole world of people who are over-consuming fluids while still being dehydrated. And this is a common problem that I see where people are just guzzling water and taking challenges to drink a gallon of water here without really understanding that water without the appropriate mineral capacity could be doing more harm than good. You really do need those electrolytes to stay fully hydrated and to help your cells function at the highest energy capacity that they can and heal. And Element is a great way to do that as they have some of the highest quality nutrients inside their products that are clean and free of all the additives that actually take away from the electrolytes themselves. I think you should check out Element. They're amazing. And you can get a free sample pack using my link at drinklmnt.com backslash living well. You're going to love them, but try it out for yourself and let me know what you think. For now, let's get back into the podcast and dive more into this mind-body connection. And as I mentioned, this need to disconnect, to see and live outside of yourself, of course, is a safety response. Because when you've been traumatized, And when you've seen yourself as not good, as not valuable, as not capable, you have no other option but to run to external forces. And this brings on the soul component to say like, no, we don't have the capacity. We are on some level all broken. And that shows that we are dependent upon a savior, something greater. And that's why the soul aspect is so important because it creates our value. And when we have value, it changes our entire existence. Now, when we talk about this on the cellular level, and as we talk about it in relation to the connection of the greater good, I think what's interesting, and my husband maybe um, challenged me not to dig into this quite so much because it gets a little bit deeper and more scientific. I'm going to try and keep it really simplistic, but again, I think it expresses the importance of connection. It's vital. I've told you that enough. Inside of our body, in every cell, we have mitochondria. And mitochondria are our energy powerhouses, right? Like in simplistic forms, it's what gives us and supplies our energy or interacts with our DNA to produce or to store that energy. Now, what's interesting as they've worked on decoding 
our human genome and really digging into the cell is that we're one, not nearly as complex as they thought we were, which is disheartening to all of science, but I think it's extremely amazing as it relates to our human nature because that makes health not as complicated as we thought it was. But in the process of this, what they found was is that the mitochondria that's a part of your cell actually has its own DNA, which makes it seem like it's not actually part of you, but a separate entity that we are relying upon to create and produce the energy that our cells need. Obviously, this is a newer concept, and it feels really foreign because we've always expressed mitochondria as a part of us. Yes, it is. But it also carries characteristics of bacteria, just like when we talk about our gut microbiome and the microbiome on our skin and fungi and parasites and all of these things that are really coexisting within us. Those things are not necessarily there to harm us, but to create this balance within us. It's this idea that we coexist with all of life, right? And that coexistence is not to harm us, but to help us. And when we understand mitochondria that has its own DNA and it's also producing the powerhouse of our cells, we start to see that there's this deeper connection that's required to healthify our whole. And when you start to see it, then you start to see the importance of nature because most bacteria and viruses and parasites and and fungus exist within nature. And when things get out of balance, of course, that's where we start to see symptoms of disease and problems exist. But inside all of us, we all have bacteria and viruses and parasites and fungi, and they're not all terrible, right? They're coexisting within us. In a lot of cases, they really are helping us, like your gut microbiome. We cannot exist without the bacteria within our body to help us to perform and to produce energy. And if you're really lost on this topic, like if we go back and understand even something like serotonin, 90% of the serotonin, which changes how you feel and how you think, right? And changes your safety response is actually created by the microbiome in your gut, showing again, this synergistic nature that we have in balance with more than just ourselves, that we exist because we coexist and we are dependent and interdependent upon so many other things to actually create the energy within us. Now, what happens when we start to see ourselves isolate or become independent, like when we move ourselves indoors and we use artificial light instead of sunlight and we're not getting um, ourselves dirty and we're not in nature and we're not around other people and exposing ourselves to these parasites, bacteria, fungi, viruses, what we do is we actually start to lack diversity inside of our body and the lack of diversity actually downregulates your energy. So you don't have as much energy because you don't have the diversity that's producing energy or helping your body to produce energy because you're investing now what the job of other bacteria was doing into trying to heal that. And when you don't have that biodiversity, when you don't have those connections, your energy downregulates. And when your energy downregulates, your cells have to compensate. Whether they start stealing energy from other sources, in the case of like cancer, Cancer cells 
what we know about them is they steal tons of energy from your immune cells, which just suppress the function of your immune cells so they can't come in and clean and heal and repair. And that happens because once your cells stop existing in harmony, they don't have the energy to produce the right frequency and the right output and to do the job that they were designed. Like all human nature, they start to move into survival, which means they start to self-protect. Instead of working together, they're literally working from themselves. And one of the greatest forms of survival is to replicate itself, right? So these bad cells start to replicate. We start to get disease and symptoms and problems. And this is really where what we consider unhealthy exists. Not necessarily because of your external environment, but because of your lack of connection, because of the lack of energy that is supplied by connection. And it's the same thing that goes back to your ego, right? When you don't have the connections, you start to isolate. And in your isolation, you grow this unhealthy ego that makes you even more isolated. It makes you more self-centered that you can't even see the world around you. When at the end of the day, healing happens through connection, it happens through love, and that happens by being able to receive and in the reception that you can give. And I think that's what's more important than anything is recognizing that we are connected no matter how isolated we make ourselves. We'll always long or look for connection. And this is what creates unhealthy patterns because we are needy, dependent people, and that is not bad or wrong. But I think one of the most important things, even as I was talking to my husband this morning, um, what we were talking about uh, healthy masculinity and unhealthy or toxic masculinity, and they found that one of the healthiest forms of masculinity is to recognize that there's strength in numbers. It's not to say, I am the best and isolate myself, but it's recognizing, hey, I see you're strong in this area. Can you help me? Because that's my weakness. And together you work to lift one another up. It's the connection that creates the health in our whole. And that's not just mentally and emotionally, that's physically. Because when we can connect with other people, we create a higher frequency and we can really start to heal. But that can only be done if we first love ourselves. If we don't love ourselves and we're acting in self-hate, What we do is we start to create this competition. You close off and in your loving, you're actually comparing and you're getting competitive and you're really dysregulating yourself and your dysregulation causes dysregulation to others. And what I think is so cool about this, if you can start to love yourself, you'll naturally start to connect with others, but it won't be from a place of emptying your own cup. And we hear this all the time, right? You can't give out of an empty cup. You've got to fill your cup first, which is so true. But if we do this right, and the the big idea with health is that your cup should never run dry no matter how much you give. That's got to be the goal and the idea is that you are working from a place where you never run dry. And again, that goes back to the soul and finding value within yourself. But I think what happens when we get this idea that your cup can run out is that we're giving and giving and giving because we're looking for other people to give back to us. It's not about expecting other people to give back to us, but knowing how to fill yourself. 
And that filling comes through self-awareness and understanding and really loving yourself enough to provide what you need to feel filled. So we have to come back to our self-identity. We have to know ourselves. And of course, how you fill your body is going to change your self-identity because the health of your cells is going to change the health of the whole, which is going to shift your body into survival or not. So really, AFACT regulation matters. And to regulate yourself, you have to know yourself and to value yourself enough to create change. So I have five ways that you can start this process of recognizing who you are and walking in the steps of self-love, creating this deeper connection that's going to help energize your soul. And one is, is that you have to learn to sit with yourself and you have to see who were you before the world got a hold of you. Now, this is really hard and it sounds so easy but I don't want to ignore or suppress the idea that so many of you are living out of self-identities that were created out of other people's hurts, out of other people's pains, out of things other people did to you or things you've experienced. And this is the root and the story of trauma. If you go back to episode one, we have to remember and go back to that infinity loop and start to see what has a hold on your life What is making it impossible for you to like yourself? Acknowledge that. Acknowledge how maybe at one point that did keep you safe and alive. But then start to shift the story. And one of the ways that you can shift the story is just asking the question, who were you before the world got a hold of you? Before you started to get molded and shaped by the world, who did God made you to be? What does he say about you? Who does he call you? Go back to that truth and find your truth within that that you can stand on. And this is going to take sitting with yourself. Not to go back to the places of pain and trauma, but to start to dream and understand who are you made to be? What is your value here on earth and what do you have to offer? We all have amazing gifts, very different gifts that we all need. Number two is we've got to be able to sit with our feelings. We're going to talk more about this, but I think AFAC regulation also helps us to understand this. Life is not about not feeling or only feeling positive things. In fact, I'd argue that people who have been traumatized are actually able to experience and hold a greater capacity for joy because their souls and their lives have been expanded in unhealthy ways, yes, but in the unhealth, you've created that space to expand in greater ways. So seeing it as something that can create some fruit in your life. But in order to feel better, we're really just going to have to feel more. And we don't because those feelings are uncomfortable and we've been trained to mask them or suppress them or eat them or to take stimulants to overcome them. We've basically been trained to not feel while looking to only feel good things. But when we can't feel hard things, we won't feel good things. So in little ways, just sit with your feelings. They're temporary. They won't last. They're always going to be changing. And just recognize that I can sit with this. It's not going to last very long, but the more I am able to acknowledge it and let it pass, the quicker I will move through it and the less of a hold it will have on me. If you suppress that with things like food, right? Like food really never makes you feel better. 
Temporarily, you get a little pleasure, but long-term, it generally just makes you feel worse. Whatever you're feeling is definitely no different than the feeling that you experience in the shame and the guilt after you do something to mask the initial feeling. So start to learn to sit with those feelings, to understand them. Where did they come from? And allow yourself just to breathe through it, knowing all feelings are temporary. Number three is you've got to create space to receive. I believe giving is only done out of receiving. And if we go back to human nature, and we talked about this in the polyvagal theory and how we were raised, right? And and those um, critical years of childhood where we developed so many skills to regulate ourselves. We learned to regulate or didn't learn to regulate based on what someone gave to us. We didn't know how to give, right? Yes, infants give smiles and coos and snuggles, but really an infant only capacity is to receive. They cannot give to others. They can only take. And this is why they can also be incredibly exhausting, right? Because all day long, it's like you have to give and you have to give and you have to give. But we have to know that in our giving to them, they're learning to receive. And then that reception then that they are filled to give. This is not a chicken or egg scenario. We can only give because we receive, which means we can only love because we receive love. We can only give happiness because we receive the ability to experience happiness. There is a lot of release that needs to happen in the health space Absolutely. But in the release and getting rid of and tossing out old stories and getting rid of body fat, we have to be willing to receive something different. We have to create that space that if it's not filled with something better, you'll often go back to repeating old patterns. And learning how to receive positive things, good things, receive love is incredibly important. And again, if we go back to the biblical nature of this, we can love only because we were first loved, right? Like Jesus states, the only reason we can love is by receiving his love. And that means the only way that you can love yourself is because you understand and you receive his love. And in the process of that, you can love other people. It's a reception. We're a vessel. We have to receive, which also means you should receive the compliment, take the hug, do the handshake. Some of these things are really hard, but they're really valuable in helping you to receive. Number four is that we have to start recognizing our regulation practices and start to fill ourselves, start to see that we exist for more than this isolated state. Get outside, get into nature. There's tons of things that we need to boost our life just by getting sunlight, putting your feet in the ground. The grounding practices are very real because it's a transfer of energy. And again, I'm not going to get into this in the podcast, but when we really look at the body, we're kind of all emitting a sound, again, a frequency. And there's frequencies of healing, of balance. There's frequencies of dysregulation. And something that's really interesting about like PTSD um, or people who suffer from PTSD is, is that their tune of their body is really out of regulation. And we know that there's a perfect harmony for healing and health. And if we can put or invest these survivors of PTSD into frequencies that happen naturally, like in nature, with that specific sound, 
they can start to re-regulate the frequency of their entire body. Because the frequency that we're admitting is the frequency of our whole and your thoughts, your biology, all of this can change that frequency. This is where food is more than just what someone said is healthy. It's how is it interacting within your biology, right? So just because someone said it healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for you. So it's recognizing what today is going to boost my frequency to heal. What does my body need and how can I support that? But going back to the PTSD research, um, they found that one of the most healing frequencies is the harmony of C. Music is a frequency. Music is very healing. Sounds are very healing. But a beehive actually emits the accurate frequency for healing. And just putting someone in the natural environment of a beehive and emitting those sounds can actually, they're finding, start to heal PTSD and even reverse it. Now, of course, that's just research. And I think that, yes, you can download these specific sounds on your devices, but we also have to know that the device is also emitting more of a negative frequency. So is it interacting in the same way that just experiencing it in nature? Absolutely not. (laughs) So we need to get outside in nature. We need to do things that fill our body, not necessarily just paying attention to right or wrong, good or bad, but really starting to recognize how is this influencing my energy? And you're going to feel that. You can feel when you're functioning at a balanced energy state or when you're out of regulation. And if you don't know, go back to the last podcast on affect regulation. That's more specific to emotions, but your emotional capacity is very much dictated by what you do. So just paying attention to how you feel. And doing more things to re-regulate or balance your energy. And nature is one of the best ways that we can do that. Just spending 15 to 20 minutes outside can make a world of difference. Number four is recognize your connections with other people. I know that there are many people who are going to be like, I have so many codependent relationships, and we didn't even really get into that. Here's the thing. That is human nature. All of us at some point, if not all the time, are going to have some kind of codependency upon other people. But codependency is really just a dysregulation to what we're really looking for. And that's healthy connection, which also means we have to first have that healthy connection with ourselves. So first and foremost, you have to sit with yourself and know yourself and really learn to fill yourself in a way, right? But then it's interacting with other people. And this is so important. But here's the tricky part. What's important or fascinating to understand is that in the world of social media and being able to meet people all over the world, what we've done is is that we've actually watered down our connection by assuming that we have thousands, if not some people, hundreds of thousands of quote unquote connections all over the world. We're overconnected, but not really ever connected, if that makes sense. Really, people can only handle a few, a handful of really deep, intimate connections. There's different levels of this, but essentially it's saying that we can really handle a couple of really intimate connections, then the next layer is 10 people, then the next layer is like 40 people. And really, we're just watering down our connections by being overly connected, which makes us not connected to anyone. And this is where people start to feel lonely, 
Like people are more lonely than ever today and we're quote unquote more connected than ever. And it's because we've we've misunderstood what it means to be connected. And connection is the physical environment of living life with other people. It's not just posting perfection on social media. Those are not accurate connections. It's talking on the phone. It's going for a walk. It's having dinner. It's snuggling on the couch. It's being sexually intimate with your spouse, right? Like it's, it's being intimate with other people in a way that boosts each other up. We are designed for connection. And why I did the whole sex talk on the last or last summer was because that sexual intimacy and the need for pleasure is so critical in our energy and our healing. So we have to start to see our relationships and also recognize that you're probably only as healthy as your most unhealthy relationship. So it's important to work on these relationships and really work on yourself because that will be the thing that changes all your relationships. And then the last thing is is recognizing this is not an arrival. Self-love is not a place you arrive at. It's not getting to your goal weight or having a set number of or set amount of money or marrying your soulmate. It's recognizing that life is always changing and that regardless of what's happening in life, it's always about choice. It's creating the lifestyle. It's taking action. It's doing something in the process to know yourself, to love yourself, and to connect with the world around you. Now, I mentioned that we, at the beginning of the podcast, that I really believe we all have an intuitive capacity for health. We know what our body needs to heal. It's just so often we suppress that or ignore that or diminish that. And maybe we've done it for so long that we can't even hear what that intuitive capacity for healing is because we're so disassociated with ourselves that we've invested all of it into external sources. Yes, the external sources can be really great. Most of the time, the research shows they work. Why? Because they're isolated incidents that aren't real life. And it makes it really difficult to understand how that relates to your life. It makes it difficult to actually achieve what the research shows should work. Because we don't have enough self-awareness to recognize it's not a means about what works for other people or what the research shows works for the whole of humanity. It's very personalized to you. It's going to look very similar from person to person, but what's inside that unique footprint is specific to you at this current state of life. And that will always be changing. And at the end of the day, it cannot be out of a place of scarcity or fear, but out of abundance, knowing you have what it takes to heal, it's inside of you, and that your value is not waiting to arrive at a place. Your value exists within you right now, and it's learning how to use that to live, to give, to connect, and to really live out your God-given purpose. It's seeing yourself and knowing yourself. And I think when you start to see yourself, you get to become less (laughs) self-obsessed. You actually become more selfless, not because you think of yourself as less, but because you don't have to think of yourself because you're so confident in yourself that you can really help the whole of humanity. And I think that's what God designed us for. That's his purpose is not to call self-love selfish, but recognizing that the bigger we get and the stronger and more powerful we are, the bigger he becomes. 
right? It's seeing him in his wholeness, not making ourselves smaller, but making ourselves greater because he is even bigger. Again, it's controversial. It might push against your beliefs. It certainly did mine, but I had to do this work in order to truly heal. And healing for me happened when I could start to be okay with me, when I started to love me for who I was. And it's not always easy. Some days are harder than the rest, but I will tell you, there was immense freedom when I started to see myself as valuable. And when I started to love myself, I started to want to take care of myself. When you love yourself, you don't want to do things that harm yourself, right? Like when you love someone else, you don't want to hurt them. And I think so many times we do things that harm us simply because we don't love ourselves. We don't see the value in needing to change. And so we don't. We just keep repeating old cycles of abuse that really do hurt us. And so it's in self-love that you start to make choices, not because they're right or wrong or because they're going to give you the results that you want, but it's just the slow change of loving yourself, of energizing yourselves. And in the process of supporting that, your body will change. I feel like in the last six months, especially after diving into this and really starting to understand God and his bigness, I started to be able to stop making myself so small, which only kept me stuck and it kept me in self-hate and in those beliefs that prevented me from really fully living and recognizing my value. And it just kept me stuck competing and comparing myself to the rest of humanity. So unhealthy. But there's a lightness that has come with the more that I've developed a sense of self-love. And in fact, I feel like I have better boundaries and I'm also able to give more genuinely to other people. And I think in the process of this, what I recognize is that it's not my job to change other people or to manipulate them for the sake of myself, right? The best thing that I can do is stop being my own God and allow God to take the steering wheel of other people's lives by setting my own boundaries and breaking up with the codependency and the need to invest all of my energy into helping other people. So in the process of this, I might have dysregulated you. I pushed on your on your beliefs. I pulled you a little bit out of balance. I made you uncomfortable. There was a lot of new ideas in this podcast, especially when we talk about mitochondria. But at the end of the day, we have to start seeing that the only way we will heal is through love. Love heals. And it's going to take you loving yourself. Yes, loving others. But you first have to love yourself, which means you have to see yourself and create a sense of self-awareness. So I hope you take those tips and you start to put it into practice knowing that when you pull yourself out of regulation, when you try to love yourself and it doesn't go well and you're reminded about all your failures and your past mistakes and the things people said, you can start to create that new story. That might have been the case before, but it doesn't have to be your story anymore. It's acknowledging that without accepting it. It's being aware of that without letting it become your truth and building a new story. I know it sounds complicated, and I hope that this isn't too overwhelming, but I hope it gives you peace of mind and the next step on this healing journey, because you have to know yourself before the world got a hold of you. And in the next podcast, I'm going to teach you some principles of reparenting yourself that are going to help when you get more dysregulated. 
It's kind of like affect regulation, but this time it's more emotionally based and understanding when we get triggered, what's starting to pull us out of balance and helping us to really come back in with this form of self-love to parent ourselves in the places maybe we didn't get parented or in the places that our parents didn't know how to parent us or didn't know we need parented in. It's the act of reparenting yourself. And we're gonna dive in more in the next podcast because it is important and how you heal. Because so much of the reason we're dysregulated causes us to do things that harm us, not help us. And if we can get out of those patterns, we can start to create patterns of regulation and start to see the changes that we've been looking for. Okay, that's it for this podcast. I have a lot more happening over at the Weekly Fill where we're gonna dive more in depth into the topic of self-love. So head on over to The Living Well to learn more about today's podcast, all the podcasts in the series, and also sign up for The Weekly Fill to get more intense dives into my real-life journey and also a place where we can connect on a deeper level. Okay, that's it for today. I will see you back here in the next podcast talking about how we reparent ourselves. I'll see you back here then.